Inflammation is now getting top billing as the latest health concern you should be worrying about. From avoiding so-called inflammatory foods to eating anti-inflammatory foods to treat and even cure inflammation, is there no disease that cannot be explained by our understanding of inflammation? Far from something scary, inflammation is a natural process that helps your body heal and defend itself from harm. It is only when inflammation becomes chronic that the story changes. In this podcast, I'll explain just what exactly inflammation is, what causes it, when it is good and when it is bad, and importantly, what role diet and lifestyle habits play in inflammation. Let's start off this podcast by defining what exactly inflammation is. Inflammation is the body's normal response to protect against infection, injury, or disease. It involves several components of our immune system, from the activation of white blood cells to the release of chemical inflammatory mediators. Inflammation gets a pretty poor showing in the health and wellness world. And while some of the negative press is justified, you should be thankful that your body is capable of going into an inflammatory state. Without inflammation, wounds and infections would never heal. That's because inflammation is part of the body's defense system. But here, we're talking about acute inflammation. That's the good type of inflammation that you want. Without it, you would struggle to fight off infections and recover from injury. So every time you cut or burn yourself, graze your knee or sprain your ankle, the pain, redness and swelling you see is all part of the body's inflammatory response that starts off the healing process. You would also know that this type of inflammation dies down after a short time and long-term recovery and healing takes over. The evil cousin of acute inflammation is chronic inflammation. That's when inflammation sticks around at a low level or over a long period of time, having detrimental effects on our health. Think of it as friendly fire from your immune system, reacting to something that it perceives as a threat. And here is a key point. Unlike acute inflammation, which shows up as redness, swelling and pain that you can see and feel, chronic inflammation can be invisible. It is hard to detect chronic inflammation, so we have proxy measures for it, like a blood test for an inflammatory marker called C-reactive protein, or CRP for short. Now, just why chronic inflammation is bad news for your health is from a multitude of problems, including a progressive shift in the type of white blood cells present at the site of inflammation, particularly the presence of macrophages. Macrophages are specialized cells involved in the detection and destruction of bacteria and other harmful organisms. In addition, macrophages can also present antigens to immune T cells and initiate inflammation by releasing molecules known as cytokines that activate other cells. Chronic inflammation also increases platelet activation and blood clotting. It depletes intrinsic antioxidants, generates free radicals and amplifies oxidative stress, delays wound healing and tissue regeneration, and to make things even worse, 
promotes cell aging and premature cell death. So it is not too much of a stretch to say that many chronic illnesses such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and even some forms of cancer have chronic inflammation at their core. You'll also come across it in conditions such as inflammatory bowel disease and even some forms of depression. So the million dollar question, what causes inflammation? It's a long list made up of viruses, autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, smoking and pollution, and pathogens that the body can't effectively repel. Aging itself is also linked to inflammation. So too is obesity, in particular central adiposity, which has more macrophage cells localized in fat and thus produces more inflammatory mediators. And fun fact, lack of sleep, especially that seen with shift work, can disrupt our circadian rhythm and alter the gut microbiota and in that way may promote chronic inflammation. And check out my previous podcast, episode number 42, on the link between poor sleep and metabolic disease. And to stay on theme for this podcast, being mostly about nutrition, a pretty poor, typical Western diet, high in highly processed convenience foods and added sugars, and low in minimally processed plant foods, has also been strongly implicated to chronic inflammation. That's the bad news out of the way. Now for the good news. Diet and lifestyle choices go a long way to treating inflammation. And for diet, what is widely considered an anti-inflammatory diet is one high in fruits, vegetables, healthy fats, legumes, and whole grains. A Mediterranean-style diet would be one such variation of this theme, especially when you add in fish and olive oil. And it's also one of the most researched dietary patterns. And I'll put a link in the show notes to a recent review paper outlining the research around the Mediterranean diet and inflammation. But it doesn't stop there. Exercise is also a potent force against chronic inflammation, with a negative association between physical activity and blood levels of CRP. Weight loss is also effective in lowering inflammation because it decrease in body fat mass means reducing the inflammatory factories, being the fat cells and their associated macrophages. Quitting smoking is a clear win if you want less inflammatory stress in your body. And then we have dietary fiber, which is inversely associated with blood CRP levels. And that last point on fiber is a big one because it's primo fuel for our gut microbiome, which is a big player in chronic inflammation, especially when you consider our gut is the home to most of our immune activity. When certain beneficial bacteria ferment fiber, they produce a compound called butyric acid that helps mediate the immune response, lowers circulating inflammatory markers, and improves the integrity of the gut barrier keeping a lot of the invading pathogens out of our body. Beneficial microbes also help fight off more inflammatory, gut-damaging microbes directly by suppressing their growth. In fact, a recent meta-analysis published only in 2020 looked at the effects of probiotics on inflammatory markers, which I'll link to in the show notes. And the finding? 
Probiotics could significantly reduce blood measures of inflammation, including CRP and a bunch of cytokines linked to promoting the inflammatory response, including TNF-alpha and several interleukins. Interleukins are a group of naturally occurring proteins that mediate communication between cells. Interleukins also regulate cell growth, differentiation, and motility, and they are particularly important in stimulating immune responses, such as inflammation. So because of the connection between the gut microbiome and inflammation, fiber or prebiotic fiber is one of the best anti-inflammatory foods you can consume, and you'll find it in so many different fruits and vegetables, whole grains, and legumes. Fiber helps shape the bacterial community into a healthier, more inflammation-protective one. Now for a special mention here to probably one of the most vilified inflammatory foods I've come across, and that's poor old dairy. Is dairy really an inflammatory food that should be on the avoid list for everyone? Now I've always wondered how it has come to be that over my decades in medical nutrition research, my subscription to dozens of leading medical and nutrition journals, and keeping up with almost all areas of nutrition research, that I've somehow missed this link. And I don't mean an isolated study or two that shows that dairy causes inflammation. You can put a case forward for any food or nutrient causing or preventing any disease you want if you want to dig deep enough into the literature and just cherry-pick research that supports an agenda. So I mean a consistent narrative of demonstrating inflammation seen across animal, observational, and human intervention studies, and which outweighs studies that don't show it, or the opposite. So the vexed question of dairy and inflammation was the topic of a published systematic review of the clinical evidence, with 52 trials looking at dairy consumption and inflammation. And I'll link to the review in the show notes. And the result, dairy actually has a significant anti-inflammatory action, which is bang on what I would expect considering the range of bioactive compounds in it linked to this and especially when you broaden it to fermented dairy foods. And no, the study was not funded by the dairy industry. It is only in people with dairy allergies, and intolerances are not allergies, that you see inflammation, which should be surprising to no one. Peanuts, shellfish, eggs, and so the list goes on, are all inflammatory if you have an allergy. That's what an allergic reaction is after all. Yet, just because some people have allergic reactions to peanuts, eggs, or shellfish, we don't label these foods as inflammatory foods that the whole population needs to avoid. So if you don't like milk-based foods, have ethical issues with it, or even have some intolerance issues with it, don't eat or drink it. Simple. Lots of other delicious foods to eat in the world. But don't cut out dairy from your diet just because of populist woo pushed by wellness bloggers telling you that dairy is inflammatory. And to extend this, you'll come across lots of advice online about eating or avoiding certain foods because of their pro or anti-inflammatory effect. But the science is nowhere yet solid enough to really blame or hero any food as being a key inflammatory or anti-inflammatory agent. 
I mean, sure, plenty of foods have been found to reduce inflammation, such as turmeric, blueberries, ginger, tea, various vegetables, dark chocolate and fish, but most of the research is from laboratory experiments, as opposed to being done in people. Where the research best points is into dietary patterns or themes that are linked to more or less inflammation, such as a typical Western diet being in column A, and a Mediterranean-style diet in column B. But all diets exist in countless variations. So it's not that you shouldn't believe that certain foods may be beneficial, but it's better to focus on a whole diet and lifestyle first when it comes to inflammation. Not just hack your way into it by gulping down turmeric lattes and thinking, job done. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on if it supports it, or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com.au and click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible, evidence-based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow, and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition. Nutrition.